At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. You're listening to the Jacob Media Sports Network in partnership with AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. All right, welcome back. And you heard the man. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Jacob Media, J-A-K-I-B Media. All right, so it's time for, I should have got like some circus music queued up. (laughs) Not for our next guest, but for the... Topics that we've been covering here and discussing night to night. It's, um, it's hilarious. And, you know, another report that I saw last night after I got off the air here around, I don't know, 11 p.m. Eastern, maybe. Breaking news. Chicago seems to be possibly the leader now to acquire Carson Wentz. I don't know. We'll see. More information tomorrow. That's basically what's coming from legitimate, credible sources in the NFL circles. So with that being said, let's bring in our next guest, Johnny Mac. Follow John McMullen on Twitter at JF McMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, host of Extending the Play, appears on Back Your Play, appears on The Fix, appears on The Middle. Um, you you can't get away from him even if you tried, ladies and gents. John, how we doing? Uh, doing well. Yeah, I hope people aren't trying to get away, but you never know. No, no, they're not. Um, I was just trying to illustrate that you're everywhere, which is a good thing. So, all right, before we get into the Eagles uh, stuff, and we're starting this conversation a little bit early, about a minute or two early, what was your thoughts on Ben Simmons last night? And I'll give you mine, and you can react. This is what I opened up with. You know, Ben, ben does that a lot, and it's always when Joel Embiid is out. And, you know, he had a career high last night, 42 points. So he certainly hasn't done that literally what he did last night production wise. But it it goes to my overall point that I've been making for years, John. And it's just that Ben and Joel Embiid, they can coexist. But are they the ideal fit? No, absolutely not. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, it depends how you look at it. I look at this team and I say, and I've said it for a while, they're built for the regular season. They're going to win a lot of games. I mean, cause they're just talented They have more, they have better players than most teams are going to face. And then as you get to the, the playoffs and as you get to better teams, as you get the game planning, uh, and, and shifting, I'm making adjustments from game to game. We've seen this movie. What are people going to do? They're going to lag off Ben Simmons. They're going to 
create a glut in the half court for Joel Embiid, and it just becomes really, really difficult. Now, hopefully, you've gotten a couple shooters, certainly better. I, I, I don't know if they're better than J.J. Redick was, but uh, better than they were uh, certainly after J.J. left. So um, you should be a little bit better, but, uh, I mean, at times you're playing four on five offensively. and You look at the shot charts and, you know, it's great. But, I, you know, it, it, it's that old adage. I mean, the Jazz were never in doubt of winning that game, never in doubt. So it's one of those things where, okay, let's let Ben get his and let's go win the game. I mean, I, I don't know how important it is. I, I, I don't know anybody who who would disagree with the fact that the guy's got tremendous talent. I, I, I think, you know, the issues for the people that criticize him are you've you got to shoot the basketball on a consistent basis, not here, not there consistent every night and not just driving you got to take the mid-range jumper which he didn't even do he scored 42 points without taking a jumper which is great but what does it mean exactly it, it doesn't mean anything like you know and he said after the game it was um i took offense to the fact that rudy gobert was guarding me dude what he's a defensive player of the year award winner you don't shoot <laughs> Like who? Who else should be guarding you? Yeah, and and the goal is to, even in the regular season. I, I mean, it is what it is at this point. I think the Sixers are good enough to where you can look past the regular season, start looking towards the playoffs. That's where you know the stage where I'm at. So you would you would want a, a deep run in the playoffs. Is this team prepared to make a deep run in the playoffs? You know, maybe, maybe not. They're better. They have a better coach. As I mentioned, they brought in some shooters. So they're better equipped than the team that, you know, embarrassed in the, the COVID-19 bubble season but and got swept. But we, we've seen, and this is why I argued you got to pull the trigger. And, and by the way, it's now pretty clear that Daryl Morey was trying to pull the trigger on James Harden because that's the type of player you need with Joel Embiid to close games. You need the pick-and-roll guy. You need the guy who can create his own shot. And that would take the Sixers to that next step. Does that mean championships? I don't know, but they'd be closer with that type of play. Easier said than done, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Much easier said than done. Uh, John used to cover the NBA, so um, just reminding everyone out there, he can he can do it all and talk about pretty much anything in the world of sports. But all right, John, let's let's transition now to uh, the real reason you're here, and that's NFL and Eagles news. What is new, if anything? Uh, the hostage situation has reached. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it is, I, I mean, it, it's coming down to, I, I think, you know, Chicago and Indianapolis. It's pretty clear what's going on. I, I mean, Chicago, and it, it really, it's where we thought it was. Chicago is the team that is more desperate to have the GM and the head coach that have to win right now. So they're willing to offer more for Carson Wentz. Um but Carson Wentz wants to play with the Indianapolis Colts with Frank Reich and Press Taylor, people he's comfortable with. Um, and Chris Ballard, their GM, is smart enough to know that 
he doesn't have to come off his his um, sort of uh, Walmart clearance aisle offer, which is probably the two second round picks, and and I would argue maybe it's a two and a conditional two, uh, which is only you know props up to that if Carson reaches certain circumstances from a playing standpoint. So um, the Eagles obviously would prefer to trade Carson Wentz to Chicago, but he's using what leverage he has um, to try to get to Indianapolis, and that's sort of your loggerheads. And I, I think the part that people don't understand is they say, well, why don't the Eagles, the Eagles just trade him to Chicago? Well, Chicago doesn't want him if he doesn't want to be there. So they want insur- assurances that he's okay with going there. So unless Carson does that, that's the leverage he has. And right now, he's not doing that. Why doesn't he want to go to Chicago? Uh, well, I, you can only speculate. I, right. My assumption is, look, Chicago is basically Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, it's a bigger media market, rabid fan base. You can go on Twitter for five seconds and figure out they don't want him. He knows this. Uh, So he's coming from a situation um, where he doesn't like that you have all this media attention, all this, you know, passionate fan base. And I think he'd rather go to a a more laid-back place like Indianapolis. And, And that's one part of it. And the second part of it, is he really does respect Frank Reich and really likes Press Taylor, as we know. So those, the second one is obvious. Uh, I think that first one is playing into it as well. So how bad does Indianapolis potentially want him? And it's a speculation question, too, but nonetheless. I, I think, you know, Frank wants him. Uh, I think they believe they can uh, turn him around, uh, and so does Chicago. And, and it seems like John Filippo's on board. And remember, John did the best job with him when it comes to the mechanics and the fundamentals. And that's been the issue with Carson Wentz. That's been the biggest issue from a playing standpoint. They've kind of uh, gone off track to a, a pretty serious degree, to be honest. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, maybe Carson's got to realize that, okay, <laughs> maybe he's not nice to me. Maybe he yells at me, but maybe that's good for me. I, I think that's what Carson Wentz has to get to. Uh, and if he looks at it that way, maybe, maybe Chicago looks better and, and something can happen. But uh, look, the guy wants to play with the Colts. He's using what leverage he has. I never hold that against the player. Um, you know what organizations will do. They'll drop and cut, you know, players that win. So uh, I never blame players for using every uh, potential avenue they have. And his avenue right now, the only avenue, is making it clear to Chicago he doesn't want to play there. And that tends, that turns a, a two-horse race into a one-horse race. And again, Chris Ballard is very, very shrewd. And he thinks this is a one-horse race. And ultimately, the Eagles have to give in and take what the Colts are willing to give them. That's kind of where we are. 
why has really nothing else happened so far in the NFL on the uh, on the quarterback carousel? Uh, what what's like the the domino effect here? Of is it the Carson Wentz trade? Is it Deshaun Watson? You know, once we get one, are we going to get everything else? No, not necessarily. Remember, the league year doesn't start till March 17th. Most of these players aren't on the trademark that we've speculated on. The, the Texans don't want to trade Deshaun Watson, and, and we'll see how far Deshaun Watson takes it and, and if they're forced to put him on the market. Seattle doesn't want to trade Russell Wilson. Uh, and then as you go lesser down the pecking board, Minnesota, Mike Zimmer claims he doesn't want to trade Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, Marcus Mariota, I think it's pretty clear, is on the trade market, but that's a, certainly a lesser quarterback, so that's not that impactful and really wouldn't have a, a great effect from a salary standpoint. New England has been speculated. Um, that would probably happen closer to the league year. So, Right now, it's in a holding pattern because guys aren't available, and that's one of the reasons the Eagles feel comfortable waiting. Uh, if other guys actually became available and were actively being shopped, they would have a much, much greater sense of urgency because they know if that happens, what what is considered you know, not a, a great uh, return of investment would go down even further. So that would be sort of a, a mini disaster for the Eagles. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. Um, all right, so there's a lot of names being thrown out there. And I'm just going to rattle off a few of them. Stop me whenever you want. You know, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, who we've talked a lot about, Carson Wentz, obviously, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, I can never say his name right, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Marcus Mariota, uh, and I'll stop there. <laughs> so how many of those names are potentially going to be in the new city? Well, quite a few of them, I, I think, and ultimately. Sam Darnold, for instance, I, I think it's going to go. Um it's just a matter of when the Jets sort of start the machinations to that point. I mean, they're, I think they're hopeful that they can get to Sean Watson. If not, they would turn their attention to the draft and likely draft Zach Wilson. In either case, they're going to move Sam Darnold. But again, that's going to be later in the process, and that helps the Eagles. So that's, that's one. Watson, you know, again, it's kind of up to him and how far he wants to push this, uh, because Houston um, probably doesn't want to move on, uh, and they're going to hold out hope that he gets to learn about the new coach, David Culley, maybe, uh, you know, Nick Cesario. It's not necessarily uh, the people he wanted in charge, but who knows? Maybe he meets them. Uh, maybe they can turn around this thinking. Uh, and until that gets to that situation where he just says, I can't be in this organization, um, I'm willing to sit out a year, then I think, you know, if you're the Houston Texans, this has such tremendous value. Um, probably going to get three first-round picks, maybe a player or two on top of it, just 
extraordinary value. And it's interesting because with Deshaun Watson, we've said if he is available, it's going to be the Jets or the Dolphins. And that's generally because that's kind of where he wants to go, uh, New York or South Florida. Um, and now, But now Carolina's talking about offering three first-round picks and on top of it, maybe Christian McCaffrey is a pretty good player coming off an injury-prone year. So that's the kind of haul you're talking about when and if Deshaun Watson actually hits the market. It, now, Carolina is an interesting team because they were heavily into the Matthew Stafford uh, trade talks as well, trying to acquire him. So it's evident that they plan on upgrading at the quarterback position, and that means Teddy Bridgewater would be on the move as well. Um, so a, a lot of these guys are going to be out there. John Gruden, we talk about all the time. Marcus Mariota could be Derek Carr, could be Post. Um, but it, it, in, until these dominoes start to fall, and by dominoes I mean these teams officially saying we're open for business, the Eagles have this short window. We've talking about it for a while as this hostage situation has gone on. We said once that window closes, the Eagles could be in trouble. So it is a bit of a game of chicken because you know certain guys are going to be on the market. You just don't know when. And once they are, and you can bet, you can say what you want about Ryan Pace, and you can call him a bad general manager. He's certainly been, done a bad job at the quarterback position. He's actually done a really good job with the rest of that roster. It was not a, a, a total buffoon. He's got a backup plan. Chris Fowler's got a backup plan. So, I, I mean, Eagles are, are playing a dangerous game. Give me a bold prediction outside of the Eagles, and then I want one, you know, as it relates to the Eagles. So, you know, Russell Wilson gets traded to New England. Like, like that's just an example. Give me a bold prediction of a quarterback – on the move or a team making a big trade? Uh, just what I said, Deshaun Watson going to Carolina, which probably won't make him happy. Um, but at some point, if you're Houston, um, you just say you don't care. Um, and I don't think that would be a situation where, you know, it, it, he's such a good player. It's not going to be about finding the right spot. Uh, they're just going to say, okay, we'll take three first-round picks. We'll take Christian McCaffrey. Thank you very much. Uh, ultimately, I think that's going to be the biggest earthquake in the NFL this offseason. Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. Uh, and I think you'll have a lot of lesser impacts. I still think there's a good chance Jimmy Garoppolo's out in San Francisco. I think there's a good chance Derek Carr's out in Las Vegas. I really do. So there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, but by far, I think Watson's going to be the biggest uh, biggest one. What did uh, Christian McCaffrey ever do to the Carolina Panthers? Nothing except he got hurt <laughs> last season. And you know how this league is with running backs once they get hurt. And he's got an enormous contract. Um so already you're into that buyer, uh, uh, buyer's remorse phase where, where they say, 
should we really be paying a running back this much money? Um, and that's where I think the Panthers are. When he's having an MVP-type season and he's the best running back in football, I think you say, yeah, yeah, he's worth it. But, you know, he barely played last season, missed basically the entire second half of the season. So I think, you know, there's a, a lot of recency bias there. Uh, I think if he got back on the field, they would fall back in love with him pretty quickly. But it is a running back, and it is fair to say that's not as important as quarterback. All right, let's get your bold prediction for the Eagles. Um, that could include Carson Wentz comes back. That could include Wentz and Hurts are not here for week one, uh, something along those lines. Now, my bold prediction is ultimately the Eagles trade Carson Wentz probably to Indianapolis, probably for what they can get, and and ultimately they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round of the draft, either at six or above, uh, and trying to get up. And I've been on that train for a while. I've been thinking about this team and how they do business and how they value that position, and I, I just cannot believe Howie Roseman would say, we're good. We're good with a young quarterback who doesn't have the traits. Say what you want about Jalen Hurts. He's got a chance to be a good starting quarterback in this league. But just from a trait standpoint, he's not close to a guy like Justin Fields. So if the Eagles are up there and they have an opportunity, I I don't think you can – Look at a swing and miss on Carson Wentz. And by the way, I don't even think it was a swing and miss. I think Carson Wentz uh, played very well for a short period of time. The injuries took over. Um, Lack of mechanics, lack of fundamentals, lack of attention to detail. Didn't last nearly as long as you wanted to. But I don't think you can look back at that second pick and say the Eagles made a mistake. People can use any definition they want. But things go quickly in the NFL. The Eagles are in that position again, and they have to take advantage of it. If they can get a player like Justin Fields, they got to do it. I agree. And let's let's talk about that for a second. We've talked about it a little bit, like last week. Um, what do they do now if they don't trade up? And if they just have the number six pick and they end up getting a quarterback there for whatever reason, whatever crazy ends up happening potentially, then what? <laughs> like, how are they filling some of these needs either in the draft after they do that at number six or free agency or, or uh, you know, more trades? But how does this shape out here? Well, I think they're on a, a different uh, trajectory now. And I always used, you know, Jeffrey Lurie used the term transition. So I do think they've taken a step back and they realize they have to reload, so to speak, uh, even though you don't want to use the term rebuild. So if you want to take use take a step back to take two steps forward, I, I think my point being you get a young quarterback to grow with a young coaching staff. We've talked about this young coaching staff a lot. Well, they're going to have growing pains. They're not going to hit the ground running. They're going to make mistakes. All these guys haven't been in this position before. So you have this entire group sort of growing together. 
and hopefully two, three years down the road, everybody is clicking, everything is working out, and maybe you have another window to make a run. I think that's the Eagles' plan. They know from the dead money they're taking from Carson Wentz, it's not going to be pretty this year. Uh, they're not going to be able to sign free agents of any renown. Um, they're going to have to do a good job with their draft picks. I know how everybody thinks that's going to go well. That's how, that's what they have to do now. They have to they have to rebuild the, t- the team that way. And, and once they take that medicine from Carson Wentz uh, and, and get some salary cap relief by 2022 in this instance, uh, then you can start. Um, taking those two steps forward. But I think if you have the quarterback, a young quarterback to grow with a young coaching staff, that's a good foundation if you've made the right choices in both positions. You mentioned, you know, Carson Wentz drafted number two, and that wasn't a mistake, and I completely agree. I mean, that was – that was a great pick, and most of us thought, okay, this is going to be our guy uh, starting franchise quarterback for the next, you know, 10 years, whatever it is. And we were all okay with that, and things took a turn here over the past, you know, year and a half to two years. What, what was the biggest mistake after they draft Carson Wentz at number two from his first game in 2016 – uh, to to now, really, what was the biggest mistake that this organization made, either directly or indirectly? Uh, I think the biggest mistake was thinking uh, the championship window was open longer than it really was. I think they got sucked into some late season runs against bad competition, uh, particularly in 2019 when you had that uh, run toward the playoffs against all the NFC East teams. Um, and they were just terrible. So it really wasn't all that impressive. And then you get into the playoffs against Seattle. who was a good team, and you had a chance to win the game with a backup quarterback, with a 40-year-old backup quarterback with a torn hamstring. And I think the Eagles continually talked themselves into, well, Carson was healthy. If he didn't get concussed, we would have won that game. Who knows what happens the next week? We're better than we look. And I don't think that was necessarily the case. I think um, they made a mistake, and they they kept uh, um, an aging and expensive roster instead of turning it over. And that's, hey, man, that is a difficult thing to do for any organization. Everybody gets caught up in that. And how quickly do you turn it over? You have to be consistent and vigilant with bringing in young talent, even when you're good. But, man, we just talked about easier said than done with the Sixers. That is really easier said than done to keep just regenerating talent in a league that moves so quickly. Because if you're good, yet you're you're down lower in the draft, obviously. Um, you have to pay your veteran players a lot of money. So you get these cap issues that the Eagles are in, which have only been magnified by – the pandemic and COVID-19, um, it's it's a lot of things. But I, I would say the biggest part of it is that they thought that championship window was open longer than it really was. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that for 
what it's worth. Not that anyone really cares. Um, all right. Couple more here for you, John. And we're talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. And we do this every night at 7:30 on the fix. Is there any chance Nick Foles ends up here? Uh, I, I think there's uh, a small chance. Uh, I mean, if you again, we we talked about the trade and, and Carson's trying to steer it to Indianapolis. So right. Just if it, if it ended up with Chicago, yeah. Um, it would it would have to start with Carson agreeing uh, to go to Chicago. Uh, it would have to, you know, come with the assumption that um, the Eagles aren't going to draft a quarterback, and I don't know if they want to be in that position. And then also, I, I I think, you know, it would be really difficult if you're going to say, Yes, Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback. We're not going to worry about your acting quarterback. I, I don't know if I'd want Nick Foles as his backup because that would create tremendous pressure on the kid. I think he could handle it. I think he's mentally tough enough to handle it. Uh, but I just don't think it would put him in in the best situation. So you never say never. And, you know, he might get cut in Chicago. And Eagles might just pick him up as a backup quarterback anyway down the road. But I, I you know, so you never say never. He's a very good backup quarterback, uh, but I, I think they should look in other directions for all those reasons. I, I think it would be idiotic for what it's worth. Like you're trying to move on from this quarterback drama, and, and you're never going to move on. We're always going to have the magnifying glass on the quarterback position in Philadelphia, but to bring Foles back into the into the building, I just don't know what you're accomplishing if you're the Eagles and, and you do that right now. Well, they're kind of tone deaf on the, on the backup quarterback situation. They never understood, which kind of shocked me, why the Jalen Hurts pick probably wasn't a good idea. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe the starting quarterback was, a, you know, eyebrows were raised. Uh, and I think it would be the same situation again, because in their mind, remember, in their mind, what you're talking about is is talk radio fodder and fan fodder. And yes, if Jalen Hurts has a bad game, they'll, they'll want Nick Foles as his starting quarterback. But in the Eagles' mind, it's not like that. They would be bringing him in to be a backup. They love Nick. Uh, uh, he's a great person. He's a great backup quarterback. He doesn't create waves. Uh, so from their perspective, they're not looking at it like that. They're just saying this is the backup quarterback. He's a really good backup quarterback. But I agree with you. You, you can't be that tone deaf. You have to realize what's going on outside the building as well and how that could affect a, a young quarterback. But while I say that, I also think, you know, one thing I know about Chandler Hurts is, He's, he's mentally tough. He's not. He's got. He's not going to check out. And you could argue that Carson Wentz was really affected by that, uh, by the drafting of Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts will be devastated by Nick Foles being back here. Uh, I really don't. I, I just don't think it's in his nature. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, that's strictly just about the the organization and the fans and the media if Nick Foles were to come back to Philadelphia, but I don't think it would impact 
Jalen Hurts uh, either. So, all right, good stuff, John. Uh, John and I do this, like I said, every night at 730 here on The Fix. And make sure you follow John at J.F. McMullen on Twitter, phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at si.com is where you can find all of John's written work. Uh, extending the play every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on AM 1490. John, what's the next uh, article you're working on for either of those platforms? Uh, tomorrow in Philly Voice, I'm going to talk. Uh, uh, actually, Thursday in Philly Voice, I'm going to be writing about the, the coaching staff and, and how young it is, how inexperienced it is. And um, I talked to Colin, Colin Thompson, about that. So, uh, he had some interesting things to say as a 27-year-old player. Uh, so uh, I'm going to write about that and uh, just through the eyes of an NFL player, how they look at, you know, coaches who are basically the same age. In the case of the Eagles, they have Nick Rollis, who's the exact same age as Colin. Yes, Michael Clay is 29. So it's an interesting take on young coaches versus the Bruce Arians of the world, the, the Andy Reeds, the Bill Belichick's, the guys who have real cachet and what the difference is. Um, so I think people will be interested in how players look at that. All right. Good stuff. Be on the lookout for uh, John's new article, and we'll catch up with John tomorrow at 7.30. Hold on here. It's going to – all right, I put that on pause. So we're going to take a break. Thanks again to Johnny Mack. Uh, for jumping on board with us. We're going to get into the top of the hour VSIN update. Much more still ahead. I want to talk more Eagles, react to a lot of the topics that John and I just discussed. More Sixers and Ben Simmons talk, and the phone lines are open. I want to hear from you guys out there. 609-445-1490. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.